day, and I figure it's uh, the appropriate day. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1, please. Proverbs chapter 1. All right. Proverbs is a great book of wisdom. Amen. amen. You want to be wise? Say amen. 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 All right. Proverbs chapter 1. Somebody said this, and I think it's a pretty uh, apropos saying. If at first you don't succeed, do it the way your mother told you to. All right. And uh, Proverbs 1 says this, My son, hear the instruction of thy father. I'm looking at verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. You know, one of the amazing things about mothers that we honor today is all of their motherly advice. Right? Mom really does know best, and, and the motherly advice is always appreciated. It's always a blessing. They've always got those wise things to say to you, like, don't pick your nose. Right? Don't pick your friend's nose. Um, amen right there. You had some of those. Don't talk to that boy. Don't hang around that kind of girl. Don't worry about it, honey. I'll pray for you. I mean, moms are just always full of those great pieces of advice, especially when you've got a spiritual mom. They could really be a blessing to you. So on this, on this Mother's Day... What I would like to do is I'd like to give you some motherly advice from probably the most famous mother in all of the Bible, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And you'd think that she occupies like the whole Bible, but she actually only speaks four times in the Holy Scriptures. But those four little moments that she shows up, shows up, offers us some good advice from the Word of God. So I'd like to just imagine right now if the Mary of the Bible could speak to us today, she'd give us some motherly advice. And I just want to hear some of this motherly advice. So maybe one of the most famous mothers in all the Bible, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we're talking about motherly advice, looking at some of these moments. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for this day, for this time, for this moment. Lord, we pray for everyone here under the sound of the gospel, Lord. I pray if someone is not saved, that they would be saved today, that the Holy Scriptures would persuade them and convict them of sin and righteousness and judgment, and Lord, that the Word of God would just have free course in our hearts today to heed the advice from our spiritual mother, this book, the Holy Bible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. Let's look at the first time uh, Mary shows up in the Bible in any kind of speaking capacity. Luke chapter 1 You'll find these four times, three of them are in Luke and one of them is in John, uh, which meets that pattern of a fourfold mention. Luke chapter 1, if you jump over to verse 26, here is our first instant here. And here's the first piece of motherly advice I can get from Mary's situation. You know what it is? Don't lean on your own understanding. Mary teaches us that. Don't lean on on your own understanding. Look at Luke 1, 26. This is that uh, announcement that Jesus Christ would be born. Uh, Luke 1, verse 26, the Bible says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. That's important. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. 
And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath conceived uh, a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I got to tell you, if you just put yourself in Mary's shoes, Gabriel's announcement and Gabriel's appearance must have really confused Mary. It must have really knocked her socks off. I mean, you look at verses 29 and 30. The Bible says she was troubled. The Bible says that the angel had to actually say, fear not. That means she was troubled. That means she was afraid. She didn't know what Gabriel meant and what he was doing there. Because sometimes when an angel showed up, it meant judgment sometimes. So she's like, what is this all about? What is happening? She was a little bit nervous. She was shaking like a leaf. She wasn't like 40 years old and had lived a little bit. She might have just been like 16, 17, 18 years old. And an angel shows up while she's maybe wiping down the kitchen counter And all of a sudden, this angel shows up, and she's like, uh, what's going on? And you look at verse 34, Mary asks a very honest question I think all of us would have asked. Then said Mary unto the angel, um, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? I mean, Mary was a virgin, you know, and Mary had sat through biology class in high school, and she's sitting there going, how is this going to happen, Gabe? How are you going to pull this off? I've never been with a man. I'm not going to be with a man until my wedding night because Mary was a good girl. How shall this be, Gabriel? So Mary is scared. She doesn't know what's going on. And Mary cannot. You know, she looked at all the diagrams and her biology textbook, and she's trying to say, how shall this be? How is this going to happen? You say, what does that have to do with me? Well, let's just bring it down to where we live. Have you ever come across one of God's sayings and been troubled? You ever heard the preacher preach or read the verse in the Bible or saw that devotional book you're going through and just been like, what does this mean, God? Is this good for me? I guess I'm the only one. I'll put the amen there for you. Amen, Pat. I've been there where you just kind of struggled with that verse or struggled with that passage or struggled with that truth or struggled with that illustration the preacher gave. And you're just like, Lord, what does this mean? Is this good for me? Is this bad for me? Am I on the right side of you? Am I on the wrong side of you? Why are you saying this to me, God? Why are you preaching this on Sunday morning, God? What's this all about? Has anybody ever been there? I've been there. I've been on the recipient side of that. Hey, before I preach a message to you, please rest assured, I've preached it to myself a number of times, all right? So how about this question too? Have you ever seen God's plan and been confused? I mean, Mary's looking at what's going on. She's doing the best she can. And all of a sudden they're like, by the way, you're going to have a baby and it's going to be the Messiah. And she's like, what in the world? How is this possibly going to happen? Have you ever been there where you've seen what God is doing in your life when you were doing the best you could and you're just like, what is going on, God? 
How shall this be? When you get confused, you know what happens? Your mind starts thinking of the future. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen next week? What's going to happen next year? What's going to happen in five years? What's going to happen in ten years? How shall this be, God? What's going to happen, God? What's going on, God? Anybody ever been there? What's going on, God? I'm doing the best I can, and it's like you're turning my world upside down. Can I speak frankly? Can I speak honestly? I've had a conversation with God. I've told God once or twice. They said, hey, God, my son is a good boy. My son back there is a good boy. He's going to church. He's doing the best he can. I'm watching him grow and read his Bible. And he got leukemia. Lord, how shall this be? What is going on here? Like, what is the future going to hold? What's tomorrow going to hold? What's, what's happening here, God? And Mary was like that. Mary was a good girl. She was a virgin. And she's thinking to herself, I'm going to be pregnant? What are people going to think of me, God? They're going to call me all kinds of names. How do I explain this? How is this going to work? Go to Proverbs chapter 3, can you? Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5. We don't have to flip there because you've been in church for a little while. You've had somebody either say this verse to you or read this verse to you or text this verse to you or stick this verse in a card. And Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 is arguably the most quoted Bible verse in greeting cards of all time, right? Somebody's going through something and you don't know what to send them. You're going to send them Proverbs 3, verse 5, which says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. It's a great verse, amen? How many people have ever given that verse to somebody else? I know I have. I've given it to other people. It's one of those verses that's easy to go to when it's for somebody else. It's easy to put in the card. It's easy to text. It's easy. It's like right underneath Romans 8.28. It's easy to give somebody else Romans 8.28, just like it's easy to give somebody else Proverbs 3.5. Hey, hey, brother, you're going through something? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Hey, sister, you're going through something? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. But what do you do when you're the one who doesn't understand what's going on? Do you trust in the Lord? Do you lean on your own understanding? It's easy to trust in the Lord when you understand what's happening in your life. When you could see your prayers getting answered. When you could see the dots connecting. When you could see things going the way you think they should go. And God is smiling on things because he's doing it the way you think it should be done. It's easy to say, oh, I trust God. Amen. I praise the Lord. Amen. But it's when something comes across your life that you don't understand, that you can't explain, that you didn't plan for, that's where you got to double down and lean not on your own understanding. Because guess what? God's going to put things in your life that you don't understand. Why? To teach you not to lean on your own understanding, to lean on him. When life throws a curveball, you know what happens? You know what people tend to do? We forget God. And we try to figure it out ourselves. As long as it's going good, 
Amen. Praise God. We are like in the church house. We're saying amen. Bless you, brother. Bless you, sister. But as soon as something ruffles your feathers, as soon as some friction comes across your life, as soon as something happens that you don't like and you don't plan for, it's like taking a bite out of those weird pieces of candy that got the pink stuff in them in a box of candies. You're like, what is that pink stuff? And you're just like, bleh. You want to spit it back out. And sometimes you think you're reaching for something that's sweet. Why am I talking about food? But you're reaching for something that's sweet and something and you bite into it and you're like, oh Lord, I don't like the taste of that. I just like to spit that back out. But the Bible says in those moments, taste and see that the Lord is good. In those moments, that's where you got to lean on the Lord when you don't see how tomorrow is going to work out and you don't know how the plan is going to come to fruition and you don't know how the job's going to work out and you don't know how the chemo is going to work and you don't know what the future holds. That's where you got to buckle down and trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Go back to Luke chapter one. That's some advice. I think Mary learned that lesson because Mary's sitting there with her probably wash rag in her hand and she's probably sitting there with her apron around her waist and the angel gives her this message and she has no conceivable way to figure out how am I going to get pregnant without being with a man and give birth to the son of God. She's like, there, uh, hmm, you know, she's turning the diagrams upside down. How is this going to happen, right? How is this going to work? Right there is we got to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Explain to me how you put a man dead in a tomb, seal it, and he resurrects from the dead three days and three nights. Explain that to me, would you? Explain to me how you walk into the Bible one day and get seen some verses about a God who died on the cross for your sins and it changes your life and you're never the same after that. Explain that to me, shall you? Explain to me how in your room, when nobody's looking, you can get down on your hands and knees like I did 24 years ago and ask God to show me the way and the next day a bag is on your doorknob that has the gospel of John in it. Explain that. Could you, could you do that for me? Explain to me how you start reading the Bible and all of a sudden your life starts to change. Your mind starts to change. Your feelings start to change. A smile creeps across your face. You get peace in trouble. And your tears, you know, are in the bottle that God keeps. And you get this reassurance that even though the waves are rocking and the boats are knocking, you could say to yourself, it's going to be okay, son. Explain that to me. That's God. Because if you can explain it, God didn't do it. And I'm looking at a bunch of miracles here today. You know what? You're here today because God did something amazing. And in that moment, in that kitchen with Angel Gabriel, Luke chapter 1. Go back to Luke chapter 1. Did I send you there already? Amen. Luke chapter 1. I think Mary learned the lesson right there. Luke 1, 35. The Bible says, the angel explains it to her. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, verse 35, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived in her son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. So the angel says, well, God's going to do it. And just in case you need some evidence, look what he did with Elizabeth's life. And if you're sitting here today wondering, could God do something amazing with me? Just look around the room. There's people that could testify and say, man, I thought I was done, but God did something with me. I thought I was sunk and finished, but God did something with me. You've got some Elizabethes in your life that God could point to and say, remember how impossible you thought it was that Elizabeth was going to have a baby? Well, I did something with her. And I could do something with you. Hey, if you're breathing, there's hope. If you're alive, there's hope. If you've got eyes to see and ears to hear today, and you can understand the Bible coming out of my mouth, guess what? There's hope for you today. God could do something amazing with you today. 
And in verse 38, Mary must have looked around, looked at the angel, thought about her cousin Elizabeth, and it says in verse 38, And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. You know, if Mary could give you some advice, if Mary could speak today, she'd say, lean in here. She'd say, don't lean on your understanding. Trust in the Lord. Lean on it. It'll be okay if you stick with God and stick with God's book. You see verse 38, Mary did not get all the answers. Mary did not understand what was going on. But in that moment, you know what she did understand? She understood her God. She said, you know what, God? I don't understand what you're doing, but I understand who's doing it, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to choose to trust you where I cannot trace you. When you cannot trace his hand, somebody said you must trust his heart. And sometimes there's things that are going to happen in your life, and you're going to be like, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand what's going on. I remember when Christian got diagnosed shortly after, he walked into my room and he said, did I do something wrong? What is God trying to show me? I said, you know, son, I don't know. Maybe we'll never know. But I do know God is love and God cares and God is great and God is merciful. My dear sister Patty's got some scans coming up in a week or so. You know what? She's a faithful sister. She's a blessing to me. You know what? I don't know what the results of those scans will be. We're praying for one way. I think they're going to go that way. But we know God is going to take care of her. And Patty knows God's going to take care of her. Patty's a faithful sister with her husband, Alan. They're a blessing to us right now. Praise the Lord for them. You know what? Pray, but always remember that you've got to ultimately let it go into the hands of God. Let it go into the hands of God. See verse 48? You see the end of verse 48? See the end of the verse? Look what Mary realized. She said, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. She didn't get blessed because she woke up one day wearing like blue and white. You know, that's not how she got blessed. She woke up one day in that moment and she realized, I'm going to trust God. And because I'm going to trust God, because I'm going to put my confidence in him, because I'm going to lean on the Lord, that's going to be a blessing to me. People are going to remember this. I don't know. Maybe there was somebody else that ate. Maybe there was some other people that Gabriel knocked on their door. Maybe there's some other young ladies that were in the lineage of David that could have been the mother of the Messiah. And they were just like, get no way. Not for me, Gabe. Take, hit, the, hit the bricks, Gabriel. I am not going there. No way. But Mary answered the call. And Mary believed. And Mary said, because I'm trusting God. You know what? I'm going to be blessed. And I'm going to be an example. And guess what, folks? If you can just keep leaning on the Lord when you don't understand, you'll be a blessing not only for yourself, but for other people that are watching your life. They'll be able to say, wow, God blessed you because you hung in there. God blessed you because you stuck with the book. God blessed you because you didn't walk out of church. God blessed you because you stayed with the stuff. You know what? I could look to you as an example when I'm going through something. How many people have heard of Elizabeth Elliot? Elizabeth Elliot was a missionary's wife in Ecuador in the 50s. And her husband, Jim Elliot at the ripe old age of, I think, 26 or 27 years old, was murdered on the mission field by Aka Indians in Ecuador. They were trying to reach these Indians, and they came down, they mowed down Jim Elliot and Nate Saint and the guys in the group. You know what Elizabeth Elliot wrote years later? She said, if you believe in a God who controls the big things, you have to believe in a God who controls the little things. It is we, of course, to whom things look little or big. See, they're all the same to God. 
You think God's holding the planets in orbit? You think God's got your soul in the palm of your hands? If God could raise himself from the dead and keep the planets in orbit, you don't think that God can take care of that little problem that is just a little problem to God? You've made it big, but God says, hey, you want me to spin the sun backwards? You want me to rise again from the dead? You want me to take care of fill in the blank? God can do it. And Elizabeth Elliot is sitting there with a broken heart and little babies on a mission field when her husband, when she was trying to do the best they could and left the comforts of America and went to a foreign land to bring the gospel to people that mowed down her husband and slaughtered her friends. And she said, it's not a big thing to God. And Elizabeth Elliot stayed on the mission field. And people got saved. What would we have done? We would have been gone. We would have gotten an AK-47 and called in the SWAT team and we would have leveled Ecuador. Right? We would have made Ecuador a parking lot. We would have called in the artillery and we would have come back there and called the Christian Law Association and rallied the World Congress and said, this injustice that is done to me. She said, it's not a big deal to God. God could take care of it. You know what that is? That's leaning on Jesus. That's leaning on. You want to get saved here today? I can't explain it to you. I just know you have sinned against God. You owe a debt to God. One day you're going to stand in front of God and give an account of all your sins. And you'll be guilty or innocent that day. And if you're guilty in that day, God's going to look at you and say, hey, buddy, what are you leaning on to get yourself into heaven? You know what I'm going to say? I'm leaning on Jesus. And as long as he's there, I'm okay. When he dies, then I'm in trouble. But I'm just going to keep. I'm leaning on Jesus. Are you leaning on Jesus? Amen. That's the first lesson. Don't lean on your own understanding. And when the hits the fan, that's when you need that advice. Not when it's going great. We're going to have a wonderful dinner this afternoon and see family and friends. That's not when you need it. You need it when it stinks. You need it when it breaks your heart. You need it when you're crying in the bathroom, looking at yourself in the mirror and going, what's wrong with me? What are you doing, God? That's when you got to say, Lord, help me. Be it unto me according to thy word. That's lesson number one. Go to, look, go to Luke chapter one, look at verse 39. Let me give you lesson number two. Lesson number two is this. The second piece of motherly advice I get from Mary's example in her life is, don't lift yourself up too high. Don't lean on your understanding and don't lift yourself up too high. Now in Luke 1, 39 to 45, right after this announcement, Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth with the blessed news. See verse 39. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe, not the fetus, not the blast of cells, the babe leaped in her womb. We got people now going crazy because they want to slaughter people. Man, you would think they, somebody stole their car. Like they stole their ability possibly to terminate life. You know what they look like? The monsters that they are, right? And the babe, and I make no apology for saying that. And the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and she spake out with a loud voice and said, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. 
And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which are told her from the Lord. So Mary runs to see her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth's overjoyed. Little John the Baptist starts punching at the belly, gets all excited because he's excited, like, wow, wow, wow. You know, he's, you know, probably anointed from the womb or something. And uh, Elizabeth starts encouraging Mary. And I want you to see something that contrary to popular misconception, the biblical Mary demonstrates true humility. She doesn't tell Elizabeth to bow down and kiss her feet. You know what Mary does? Look what Mary says. Watch her open her mouth. Verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich. He hath sent away empty. He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forevermore. Wow, she's just talking about God the whole time. She's just thanking the Lord the whole time. She's praising God, her Savior, from start to finish. Isn't that so different than the way Mary is often portrayed by religion? I mean, I'm not trying to hate. I went to parochial school for a lot of years. Twelve years I went to parochial school. You know what we do in parochial school around this time of year? We'd have the May crowning. And we'd have the May crowning. And what we'd do is, and maybe some of you did this, maybe some of you liked it, I don't know, but you'd put a statue of the supposed Mary on a pillow or something, and we'd march Mary in, her statue, and we'd parade her around, and we'd sing songs to her. We'd bow down to the statue, and then we'd place like a crown of flowers upon her head, and we'd call it the May crowning. Isn't that strange compared to the lady you just heard talking in your Bible? That doesn't sound like she would want any of that. I think if the Bible Mary could speak and the Bible Mary could give you some advice, you know what I think she'd say right now? Don't lift yourself up like that. Don't lift yourself up like that, let alone me. You say, how do I know that? Look at verse 46. I'm not making it up. It's right there in the Bible. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Amen. When Mary opened her mouth, the Mary of this Bible, she magnified God. She made much of God. She pointed people to the Lord. You know what that is, guys? That's good advice. That's some good motherly advice to keep pointing people and make much of Jesus Christ because when you make much of Jesus Christ, he'll make much of you. Amen. And that's what Mary did. I think that's motherly advice for all of us. Have you heard of the mother named Susanna Wesley? Susanna Wesley lived in the late 1600s, died in the mid-1700s. Susanna Wesley is one of those moms. If anybody's a young mom in here, I recommend you read some books about Susanna Wesley. She had two boys that you know a lot about, John Wesley and Charles Wesley. John Wesley was a mighty preacher who helped bring in the first great awakening, right, in England and over here in America. He was a part of that movement. And Charles Wesley was a songwriter who writes 
writes many of the hymns in our hymnal that we sing, like End Can It Be, and one of my personal favorites, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And you know what? That is a good mama. (laughs) That is a spiritual mother, Susanna Wesley. And you know what she said? She said one time, I am content to fill a little space if God be glorified. That is some good stuff right there. I'm content to be wherever you want me to be if I can just magnify God and bless God and praise God wherever I can be. That's, that's, that's not just godly advice. That's a godly attitude. That's wherever I am, God, wherever you put me, I just want to magnify you, lift you up, praise you, bless you, honor you. Wow, look at Psalm 34. Can you flip there before you go to sleep on me? Go to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. That's supposed to amen you're going to sleep, Anthony. That's right. <laughs> you better keep me awake, brother, because I'm going out on you. No, Psalm 34, I'm kidding. Psalm 34, look at verse 1. You know what the, you know what the spirit of this book wants to do? The Holy Spirit's aspiration is to magnify Jesus Christ. That's what it wants to do. It's right here in the Bible. Psalm 34 is the Holy Spirit speaking through David. It sounds almost like Mary could have said this in Luke chapter 1. The Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Can we get an amen for just God right now? I know you're glad about prayers getting answered and all the stuff God does for you, but you just give an amen because God is good. Amen? Amen? Just a, that's a good amen right there. Just because God, you're God, and I love you today. Amen, amen. We said amen for the moms. That's great. Amen for the prayer request. That's great. Amen for the great time of the youth rally. That's great. But how about just a bless God because you're God. Amen? Amen. Praise you, Lord. You're a great and mighty God, and we give you the honor and the praise and the glory and the honor, and this church is your church, and these are your people, and this is your book, and we just love you today. That would be a good thing to do sometimes. Just sit back in your room and just lift up your eyes and stop getting down in the dumps and praise God and give him a sacrifice of praise. That's what the spirit of this book wants to do. I will bless the Lord at all times, even when you don't know how life's going to go for you after an angel just visited you. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit is trying to do, trying to get you to be a little bit thankful, a little bit praising. It doesn't mean you have to be happy, but praise God even when you're sad. Praise God when you don't understand. Praise God when the way looks dark. That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise because you're giving it even when it hurts because you know that it doesn't make sense, but you know the God that's behind the clouds is still the sun shining in your life. So give him the glory, great things he's done and will continue to do. I think I should preach on that all week to my rotten, filthy, selfish flesh. All times. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit never talks about himself. Never magnifies himself. The Bible says the Holy Spirit would point people to Jesus Christ and glorify Christ. That's God's goal. Is that your goal today? Is that our goal today? I hope that's my goal. You know, that's not the spirit of this world. Daniel chapter 11, you don't have to flip there, is talking about the Antichrist. And when I say the Antichrist, already some of you are just like, yes, tell us something. (laughs) Finally, something good. 
tell me something about the chip or the mark or what's he going to look like? How many hairs are going to be in his armpits? And, you know, what's he going to, does he use Old Spice? You know, like, what is he going to look like? I know that's what happens. You say Andy Christ and everybody leans in like, mm, I'm going to get a nugget today. Pat gave a nugget today. The Antichrist likes American cheese on his burgers. Mm, mark it down. I read it in a prophecy manual. No, I don't know. But it says this about the Antichrist, and you can laugh, smile, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, let's learn about the Antichrist. Yeah, okay. But the spirit of the Antichrist, the Bible says, in Daniel eleven thirty seven, says, he, the Antichrist, shall magnify himself above all. He's going to sit in the throne of God, glorifying himself as God. He's going to sit as the head honcho, the chief, whatever, Pumbaa, and he wants to be the one that everybody worships. And that's the spirit in the world today. I don't know who the Antichrist is, but the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well and roaming around all over Aberdeen, Freehold, Parlin, all the places you live. Guess what? That spirit of Antichrist, if I left your town out, please don't be offended, but that thing is all over the place and he's out there. Social media, that spirit of Antichrist is all about magnifying self. Because the Antichrist is all about magnifying himself. And man, I'm not hating on you if you've got a Facebook or a Snap or a Gram or whatever you got, but social media fuels that fire. You know what social media is about? Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at my new selfie, right? Uh, right? I mean, what the heck, right? Not only are you taking pictures of yourself, you're taking pictures of yourself and you're putting them on social media. I mean, it's like, what? What's going on? That's all the flesh, brethren. That's all flesh. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. You know, 1201. I'm not going to do a TikTok dance again. I did that a few weeks ago. But look at me. I'm going to the bathroom. Look at me. I'm eating a ham sandwich. Look at me. I climbed a mountain that was four inches high. You know, look at me, everything. All this stuff. That's so, that's the spirit of the world. You know what the world is all about? Elon Musk, what did he do? Look what he bought. You know what the world's about? Johnny Depp. How big is a mega pint? Right, you know, that's what everybody's talking about. Right, I know, I teach high school. I know, and you're laughing because you know, because you've watched that stuff. And you're like, I would never have married her. Use the bathroom. Right, but anyway... The world is all about other people. Look at Elon Musk. Look at this guy. Look at your favorite athlete. Look at him. Look at her. Look what he did. Look what she did. You know what the spirit of this book is about? You know what the spirit of this book says? Look at Jesus Christ. Look at what he did. Look what he can do. Amen? The fact that you're not excited about Jesus Christ means you've been swimming in the sewer for too long. Listen, I love basketball. You guys know I like basketball a lot. I talk about it a lot, even though my son's wearing a UNC hat. I'm not talking about basketball. But listen, if a guy bouncing a ball makes you shout, what about the God who raised the dead? Yeah. So you look at him, he goes, boom, boom, and he can cross it up, and he got the guy who broke his ankle, he fell down, and oh, people get up like, oh, and they get all excited and crazy like this. And God says, watch this, I'm going to raise somebody from the dead. And we're like, oh, yeah, I knew that. You did? You knew God raised Jesus from the dead? And that's not exciting? But I saw you, I saw you watching that, that slap shot at the hockey game. I saw you watch that guy do that 360 windmill, and you jumped out of your seat like somebody put an explosion under your butt, and you were like, whoa! And then I just told you about the Savior that died for your sins and give you a home in heaven, and you're yawning? That's the wrong spirit. You see, the Spirit of God wants to lift up Jesus Christ and lower ourselves down a little bit. Go to Luke chapter 1. That's some motherly advice. 
Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Let's go back there. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Look at verse number 47. You know what Mary never forgot? Some stuff that we forget. Mary never forgot she was a sinner who needed a Savior. And I'll say that again. Mary was a sinner who needed a Savior. The Bible says in verse 47, Mary's own word, she says, Luke 1, 47, and my spirit, that's her heart, that's her insides, hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Not sneaky, not tricky. She knew she was a sinner that needed a Savior. Do you? Look at chapter 2, verse 22. Now, Jesus is born in the book of Luke, and then Mary has to go do something. Luke 2, 22. And the Bible says this. When she goes to present Jesus in the temple, and they're circumcising Jesus, and uh, it says in Luke 2, 22, and when the days of, what does your Bible say next? Her purification. What's the word before purification? Her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says Mary was unclean according to the law. When you had a baby, you were unclean for about a month. If you had a male child, about two months. If you had a female child. You know what it says right there? The days of her, meaning Mary's, purification were accomplished. She was unclean and she had to atone herself before God. How about that? They didn't tell you that, did they? But that's the truth. You know what the new Bibles like to do? You know why we stick to this King James Bible? Because the new Bibles change that verse. They change it to their purification or the purification. And if you're looking at a Bible that has changed her to their or the, you've got a Bible that's been tampered with to try to lift up Mary higher than the Bible lifts Mary up and try to take away from the fact that the Bible says Mary was a sinner who needed a savior just like you. She put her pants on or her stockings on one leg at a time just like you did and she needed to be saved just like you did. Go to Luke 148. Look what it says right there. Luke 148 says it. Luke 148 goes on to say, For he hath regarded, meaning God, the low estate of his handmaiden. See that? Mary never thought too highly of herself. Isn't that ironic? How Mary now is elevated to something so far above anything in the Bible. Mary is, and I don't hate Mary. I love the Mary of the Bible. She's a great example. But that other figure out there that people pray to and venerate is not the Mary of the Bible. How could you take that Mary that talked about being low and call her the co-mediatrix? Put her on equal footing with the Son of God? Equal footing with the Savior? Not in my Bible? That's, the Bible says, my glory shall I not give to another. So I can't give the glory that's worthy of God to you or me or Mary or John the Baptist or anybody named Anthony. I got to give it to Jesus Christ alone. He's the only one worthy of all our admiration and devotion. Look at her. Look, just, I'm not going to read all the verses, but just scan your eyes over 48 to 55. How many times Mary talks about He did this, and his mercy, and his strength, and he has scattered, and he has put down, and he has filled, and he has opened, as he spake. She says it's all about him. She ain't lifting herself up. That's some good motherly advice, how much Mary talks about God and how little she speaks of herself. That's a great lesson to learn. Look at verse 28. You know what Mary realized when that angel was talking to her? Verse 28. See a very important word? Mary remembered the, the, the Gabriel's message. Blessed art thou among women, not above women. 
Blessed art thou among women, right? She remembered that, you know what? I got a blessing, but I'm not more special than anybody else. I'm just following God. Go to Romans chapter 12. Can I finish this point with some last motherly advice here about this? Romans chapter 12. Let me direct it towards you now. Am I making any sense here today? Amen. Amen. Just, uh, just some motherly advice from the Bible, from one of the most famous mothers of all time. Some good lessons here. And the Bible in Romans chapter 12 kind of picks up on this motherly advice and says right there in Romans chapter 12, verse number three, the Bible says, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. You know what the motherly advice would be for Mary from this book, from people of God? If you're saved, you are special. But don't think too highly of yourself. Don't get too into yourself. Don't think any of that specialness is because of you. It's because of the God who loved you and changed your life. Mary knew that lesson to you. Let's go back to Luke chapter 1, would you? Or Luke chapter 2 this time. Let me give you another one. Luke chapter 2. I just got a couple more pieces of advice here. Just some motherly advice for you on this blessed Mother's Day. I hope you have a great day with your moms and your family and stuff like that. Uh, All this stuff is good. I'm going to go see my mom. I hope you're going to see your mom if she's still here. It could be a blessing to her. Luke chapter 2. You know what's another piece of advice that Mary learned that I think she would pass on to us? She'd say... Whatever you do, don't lose sight of the Savior. Now, in Luke chapter 2, Mary and Joseph go to this big feast, and they lose sight of the Savior. Luke 2.41. Let's pick it up there. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto him, How is it that she sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. I mean, I think Mary did some thinking after that. She said, man, it was really easy to lose sight of the Savior. I lost sight of Jesus. You know, when there's a famine in your life, you're always looking up. When there's a famine in your life, you're always looking for God. When the hospital thing is scary, when somebody dies, when the job bottoms out, all of a sudden it's like, pray for me, pray for this. We got to go see the doctor. And that's okay. God uses those things to draw people. And when people are in the valley, oh boy, everybody's looking up for God. Everybody needs God. But when there's a feast and a big company of people like Mary and Joseph were celebrating here, the deliverance of Israel and all the hoopla that went with that at that Passover feast. When there's a feast, you know what happens? You tend to lose sight of the Savior. 
because you figure, what do I need church for? What do I need the Bible for? Everything's going good, God. I'll call you if I need you. That's how we get. Amen? Oh, it's quieter than a turkey farm on Thanksgiving right now. That's real quiet, but that's the God's truth. When it's rough, oh, God, man, yeah, brother, pray for me. I need help. I need this. And all of a sudden, God fixed that problem. You're like, okay, guess I'm done with God now. I'll be back when there's a catastrophe. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Go to the Old Testament, the fifth book of your Bible. That's just a sad testimony of human nature. And in the book of Deuteronomy, God warned Israel not to lose sight of him when things were going good. And, and it's good when things are going good sometimes. It doesn't mean you have to walk around in sackcloth and ashes. It's good to rejoice sometimes. If God's blessed you, praise the Lord. If God's given you some money, use it for the glory of God. Take your family out to dinner. Enjoy that nice vacation. Nobody's saying you got to live like a pauper and you got to just like, woe is me all the time. Nobody's saying that. God giveth us richly all things to enjoy. But I do know there's a fine line where you just start enjoying the blessings and forget the blesser. And you start loving the gifts and you forget the giver. Because when you put the gifts ahead of the giver, you've missed something. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God is warning his people. He says, I'm going to take you into the land and it's going to be good. Land flowing of milk and honey. It's going to be good. Butter and honey and all that stuff. That sounds like my kind of spread. Literally butter. But anyway, Deuteronomy 8, verse number 10 is where he says it to them. Here's the warning. When thou hast eaten... And art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, watch out, he says, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. He said, when things are going good, Israel, don't forget who made it good. Don't forget who made you great. Don't forget who put that money in your pocket. Don't forget who gave you that strength. Don't forget who cleaned up your life. Don't forget who gave you that family. Don't forget who gave you that house. Don't forget because you have a tendency to forget when there's enough money in the bank and the cars are all running and the kids are all healthy and we're just so busy, 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 busy doing all life, 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 life. You know what? It's easy to just put God in this little box and God, if I don't have time to fit you in my busy, busy, busy life that's so full now, guess what? I forget you. We do it all the time. Amen, brother. Amen. That's what happens. I do it too. Right? It happens to all of us. You know what happened to our country? I'm going to speculate. In our feasting, in our prosperity, in our strength, in our power, we forgot as a nation that what makes anything great is not the guy in the White House, it's the God in the Bible. That's who makes anyone or anything great ever. And when the Civil War happened in March of 1863, then Abraham Lincoln issued this proclamation. Because you know what happens? When you forget that it's God, you know what God will do? He'll just do this. You want to see what life is like without me? And he'll just step away. 
and you'll feel that trouble and that sorrow like Mary felt when she lost sight of Jesus. And Lincoln, you know, he was honest Abe enough in this regard. I'm not going to get into all the politics, but Abe was at least honest enough to admit this and say, you know what, man? We need to get ourselves back to God because we're tearing ourselves apart. And listen to this proclamation that came out of the same White House where people live today. It's hard to believe that the same people who occupied the same office could say this just under 200 years ago, right? He said, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. Again, the country's not even 100 years old yet. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. Amen, Amen, Brother Lincoln. (laughs) That's some good preaching right there, Abe. Can you go back to Luke chapter 2? Would God we would all remember that? Would God we would all make that proclamation? And when it's going good, we would remember God so that he doesn't have to bring some bad to remind us who made it good. Luke 2.48. You know what happened when Mary lost sight of the Savior? You know what happened right there in Luke 2.48? When Mary lost sight of the Savior, she experienced, look what she says, sorrow. We've sought the sorrowing. You know what? If you lose sight of the Savior, you will too. You'll experience sorrow. I don't want it to happen. I don't wish it upon you, but you will. Now I'm preaching to the choir. I should be preaching to the people that aren't here. Because when you walk away from God and close this book and think you're okay, I'm okay, hey, you're just waiting for something bad to happen. You're just waiting for God to like rock the boat so you remember who's steering the ship. You ever been a kid and lost sight of your parents as a kid in the crowd or in the store? It's like a horrifying sensation, like losing your parents and even like the parent, right? Losing your kids in a crowd or a store somewhere. It's like the most horrible thing at all. It's like, it's scary. It's like you've lost everything. And Mary lost sight of Jesus Christ. And I'm imagining that she's hightailing it back and probably smacking that camel's butt to get back faster to the where Jesus was, that she was scared and felt like she lost everything. But you see verse 49, Jesus Christ wasn't lost. Jesus Christ says, why are you looking for me? Where'd you think I was going to be? But in the temple doing my father's business. See, Jesus Christ wasn't lost because Jesus Christ never lost sight of God. And because he never lost sight of God, he never lost sight of his father's business. He never stepped away from his father's business. But you know what happens? We lose sight of God and we lose God's purpose for our lives. In all their busyness, Mary lost sight of the Father's business. And she lost sight of the Savior in the process. And you don't have to say amen, but we are busy, 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 busy bees. We're busy bees. And can I tell you this? In all our busyness, 
it's easy to lose sight of the Savior and forget our Father's business. You know, in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, you don't have to flip there. Jesus is up in this mountain and his disciples are rowing, right? They're row, row, rowing their boat gently across the raging you know, sea over there. And they're rowing the boat. They like my gesture for rowing the boat. I, didn't, I wasn't on the row team. I think I'm doing it backwards. I think I'm going backwards. I don't think I'm doing it right. But you know what? It says, and Jesus saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. So that rowing, right, is a picture of the church age. And Jesus Christ is up there in the mountain, like he's up in heaven, praying and interceding for us. And one day, Jesus Christ is going to come back, walking upon the sea. That's not the water. That's the waters above that he's going to come walking down when he comes to get us. And you know what happens in those disciples? They're so busy, busy, busy that they almost miss Jesus. He almost passed them by. He didn't, but it almost happened. It's like he could have, and then they finally saw him. And I want to ask you, Christians, are you that busy rowing that you might miss Jesus Christ's return? Now, I know you won't, but is it almost like it? Is it going to take a trumpet to get your attention? Is it going to take a trumpet that sounds like a bomb going off to wake some of you out of your stupor and realize, wow, I should have used some of this time for God instead of filling up every stinking second of every stinking day with every stinking activity that my little mind can conceive. So I got this splinter of time left for God. I can't even fit the word God in that splinter. I'll just put G in there. And I got this little pebble of time left for God. And maybe if I feel good that day, I'll give God that little splinter of time because it's just so filled up with all these things that are so important that you could miss Jesus over them? You're going to have some sorrow. You see verse 51? Mary kept these sayings in her heart. I think if Mary could talk right now, she'd say, guys, don't get so busy you lose sight of the Savior. Be about your Father's business and you'll always see where Jesus is. See, some of you don't see Jesus in your life because you're not doing anything Jesus is up to. But hey, come to a fair. Spend an hour. You'll see Jesus show up. Come to a prayer meeting on Tuesday night if you can. You'll see Jesus show up. Come to church. You'll see the book opened and the Bible show up. Get to Bible study. Get in discipleship. You'll see Jesus show up. You got to be where Jesus is to keep him in your sights. You know how you do it? Proverbs 3, 6. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. In everything you do, look to him. In everything you do, recognize him. In everything you do, thank him. And if you're always acknowledging Jesus Christ, you'll never lose sight of the Savior. Not just before you stuff your face, all the time. And finally, go to John chapter 2. We've got one more short one. I'll hurry through this one. Thank you for your blessed attention. Some motherly advice for you. If it stings a little bit, you know it's coming from an Italian mom because uh, they got a way to like stick it in and turn the knife anyway, all right? Or just slap you across the face. But uh, John chapter two, some motherly advice for you, right? Number one, don't lean on your own understanding. Number two, don't lift yourself up too high. Number three, don't lose sight of the Savior. And number four, don't listen to anyone but the Lord. I didn't say it, Mary said it get mad at her. John 2 verse 1. 
In the, and the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. And Jesus saith unto her, woman, I mean, whoo, you know Mary wasn't Italian because if the son said to his mom, woman, she was Italian 45. But you know, that just showed, that's just Jesus showing you that he wasn't subject to Mary. He wasn't venerating Mary. So he never, he never even called her mother in the whole Bible. He always called her woman, just so you and I would get the hint. Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. That's the last time Mary speaks in the Bible. You know, the last time Mary speaks in the Bible, she's giving some servants advice for a wedding. It's like she's kind of saying to them, if you want this wedding to go well, do whatever Jesus says. And that, my friends, my Bible students, is the only command that Mary ever gave anyone in the Bible. She said, don't look at me. Listen to him. Don't look to me. Don't pray to me. I don't know what to do with the Farkins. Look to him. Talk to him. Whatever he says, do it. Listen, if you're saved, let me say, say amen if you're saved. Amen. If you're saved, you're headed for a wedding. You're headed for a union with Jesus Christ when he returns. And it's coming soon, man. It's coming soon. You should mark your calendars down. I'll send the you're invited because it's coming soon. You don't get the invitation. You got the invitation when you got saved. And that marriage is coming soon. You're going to meet Jesus Christ face to face. It says it's coming. The marriage in verse 1 was on the third day. You know what? We're almost in the third day. 1,000. 2000, that third thousandth year of millennium when Jesus Christ comes again and that marriage supper of the Lamb happens is just about upon us and we're getting ready for the wedding. Can I tell you, if you want to have a good time at the wedding, you just got to do whatever Jesus says. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. I got two stops left. All right, hurry, 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 hurry. All right, the, uh, the roast is in the oven. All right, I know mom, she's cooking all day for you so you can celebrate her. Right, this is an amazing thing. Ephesians chapter uh, uh, 5, famous verses about marriage, but let me just show you something. How do you get ready? How do you get ready? How do you get ready for the wedding? It's right there in Ephesians 5, start at verse 25. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And then in verse 27, it says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Verse 25 is your salvation day. Are you saved here today? I hope you are. If you don't know how to be saved, just listen. Hang with me for five more minutes. I'll explain it. But that's salvation in verse 25. You know what verse 27 is? Verse 27 is your presentation day. That's when you get shown and brought to Jesus Christ himself in all of your vestments and all of your righteousness that you've wrought down here. But you know what's in the middle? The word of God. 26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Jesus gets you ready after salvation and before presentation. He gets you ready with his word. Not anybody else's ideas. 
He gets you ready with his word. Now I know everybody's got their own two cents. It's like they're rich. Everybody wants to give you their two cents about your marriage, about your family, about your job, about how you should treat those people that have wronged you. Everybody's got their own two cents, whether it's your friends or your family or your Facebook groups, and they all know what's best, and they all got the corner of the market, and they've all got this secret wisdom that you got to get from them. Can I tell you something very honestly? When your best friend crosses this book, your best friend is wrong. Okay? When your mom, it's Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day. When your mom crosses the book, your mother is wrong. And I say that on Mother's Day for effect. When I violate the principles of this book on anything, I am 100% absolutely wrong. You can say amen loud to that. I won't be offended. It's okay. You can gang up on me. It's your chance. I'm giving you open season. Take a shot at me. You always do during the week. Take a shot now on Sunday. Do it. I'm, I'm ready for it. Right? Amen. Some of you are enjoying that too much, but it's okay. I'll preach to you next week. Right? How about this one? Now it's my turn. When you disregard God's book, you are W-R-O-N-G wrong. No matter what you told yourself to the contrary, you're wrong. Every time you cross that book, you're just dead wrong. I don't care what you've imagined in your mind and conceived in your infinite wisdom of that three-pound sponge between your skull. You think you've got some kind of magical wisdom because your brain sees things that nobody else ever saw. Hey, have you ever been wrong? You ever missed an appointment? Ever thought something wrong? Guess what? Could you be wrong about this? Oh, no, this time I'm not wrong. Really? Really? Come on now. When you disregard that book, you're wrong. I don't care what your rationale is. I don't care what you've told yourself. I don't care what your friends have told you. I don't care what, you know, the people that you call your friends have told you. If you cross the Bible, you are always unequivocally, 100%, twice on Sunday, wrong. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Second Peter chapter 1. We'll do this and then we'll close here. Second Peter 1. Second Peter 1, then Proverbs 31. Let's go to Second Peter 1. Look at this. Second Peter 1, verse 2. That's some motherly advice. Second Peter 1, verse 2. The Bible says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 3, God says, he gave you all the answers. Verse 4 says, I put all the answers in a book, so you'd have all the answers. And brethren, if the Lord gave you his precious promises, why would you listen to anything else? I'm not dumb. I mean, I may look dumb, but I'm not stupid. Right? I mean, why would you listen to anybody else but the Lord? Why would you put your confidence in anything else but the Word of God properly taught and divided correctly to give you the answers you need? I mean, the Bible has all the answers to the test from the one who's giving the exam. Amen. Why wouldn't you search it out about marriage, family, decisions? Life choices. Why don't you find out what God has to say? He's got all the answers to the test. And he's the one giving the exam. He knows the questions before you ask them. You see how dumb it sounds when I put it like that? 
and how dumb I sound when I go outside the Bible for advice. It's, it's dumb. There's no other word for it. It's stupid, right? That's what it is. It's not a nice word to say, don't teach your kids. But it's just dumb. Why would you do that? Can you see the look on Mary's face when the servants went to her? Maria, Maria, what are we going to do here? You know, I don't know what to do. We added a drink. What are we going to do here? The concierge and the maitre d' coming over. Ah, Maron, what are we going to do? Mary, Mary, what are we going to do? And she said, what are you looking at me for? Why are you coming to me? Go to him. Don't listen to anyone but the Lord. That's what Mary said. That's her advice. The greatest piece of advice I think she could have given. Don't listen to anyone but the Lord. And long before the Nike swoosh, Mary told those servants, whatever he says, just do it. Just do it. Don't think about it. Don't deliberate it. Don't be like, well, that's what Pat says, the Bible says. Let me go see what the internet says. No, don't, don't just do what the Bible says. There's some things in the Bible I don't understand. But what you do understand, just do it. Stop dragging your feet on it. If you're not saved here today, just get saved. Just, just trust Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to turn over a new leaf. I'm not even asking you to ever come back. I'm asking you to put your faith in the shed blood of Jesus for your sin. Just do it. If God wants your talent, some of you got talents that could bless God and bless the church and bless the brethren, and you're wondering and you're deliberating. What are you waiting for? A second call? What are you waiting for? A third call? What are you waiting for? Something to magically pick you up out of the seat and like move you in the direction of serving God? No. If God's telling you to do something, just do it. Just do it. Whatever He's saying to you, do it. The Bible is of no effect when it's closed in your room, it's got to be in your heart and in your life. Go finish with me in Proverbs 31. I'm ending right here. I'm closing it up. Proverbs 31. Can't get through a Mother's Day message without Proverbs 31. And I really appreciate you putting up with me. I come home every single day. I get in the car with my wife, and I was like, I was really nuts today, right? I was really crazy today. She's like, no, you aren't extra crazy today, you know? <laughs> I don't know how you open the Bible and just, it, how it could be boring, and how you cannot just want to run around the room and be like, this is the truth. This is the, not just because I'm preaching it, because anybody's preaching it. This is the truth, man. God gave you truth. And in Proverbs 31, I'll look at that first in a second. I, I found this quote by a lady who was a humorist, and she said something I thought was pretty witty. She said, when your mother asks, do you want a piece of advice? It's a mere formality. It doesn't matter if you answer yes or no. You're going to do it anyway, mom. So I thank God for mothers, don't you? Mothers are always prone and always quick to give advice, and we thank God for them. That's what they're there for, by the way, guys. They're there to kind of be that voice to buffer your insanity. That's what they're there for, to be like, wait, mm-mm. you know, that's what they're there for. And Proverbs thirty-one twenty-six says, of a virtuous woman, she openeth her mouth with wisdom. Forsake not the law of thy mother. Motherly advice is a blessing, especially when it comes from a virtuous woman, like I'm looking at many right now. And I praise God for the earthly moms and even the saved moms that have been that blessing on this planet. But you know what the Bible is? This book, the Bible, is like your spiritual mama. It's the water from which you were birthed. It's that quiet voice that's trying to steer you right. And every time you open it, God is trying to give you advice. And God's trying to give you counsel. And God's trying to give you his wisdom. I wonder today, are you finally going to heed the motherly advice of God's book and experience good success? Or are you going to keep following your own?
bad ideas and miss God's best for your life. Choice is yours. Let's, let's stand together for prayer. Let's stand together. Some motherly advice. Motherly advice. Let's just stand together for a moment. I just want to give you a moment of invitation here. We did this. We try to do this. I just get you to stand because you've been sitting so long that when your butt goes numb, your head goes numb too. So let's just bow our heads for a moment and close our eyes. I just want to ask this of you. Let me give you some Bible advice. We bow our heads and close our eyes so we can concentrate, so we can focus, and we can have a private moment between us and God. But can I ask you this? If you died today, are you 100% sure you would go to heaven? If you're not 100% sure you would go to heaven, can I give you some motherly advice from the Word of God? You could be saved today and get your name written in the book of life today. And it's not about turning over leaves or changing your behavior or necessarily signing up for something. It's coming to the place that you have sinned against God and you owe a debt to God and Jesus paid that debt. And would you humble yourself like Mary did and say, I need Jesus Christ to be my savior. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if there's anybody here today that would just say, you know what, Pat, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if my name is in the book of life. I know I've sinned against God. I have lied. I have lusted. I have disobeyed my parents. I have taken God's name in vain. I've been angry without a cause. I've had all kinds of wrong thoughts and done wrong things. I am a sinner, but I'd like to be saved. Please pray for me. If there's anybody like that at all, all you got to do is just slip your hand up Put it right back down. Say, Pat, here's my hand. Pray for me. I would like to know about how to get saved and take Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. If there's anybody like that at all, just put it up. I'm not going to call you out of your seat, shine the spotlight on you. I'm just going to say, if there's anyone like that, I would like to pray for you that we could explain it to you today. Anybody like that at all? Don't tarry. Take some motherly advice. Whatever he says, says to you, do it. If Jesus said these things I say unto you that you might be saved, you'd be wise to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior because nobody's promised a tomorrow. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth, the Bible says. It's not a fun verse, but it's a true verse. And if you couldn't put your hand up right now, maybe you were too embarrassed. I don't know. I don't know everybody here. You could just find me or the person that brought you and say, look, could you explain that to me? I don't want to put my hand up, but just explain it to me. I could take five minutes with an open Bible and explain to you how your sins could be forgiven and heaven could be your home. Be pretty dumb to pass up an offer like that. Christian, I hope you take some of this advice today. I hope we would really be a Bible church and really go all the way in and see what God could have for us, what God could do with someone like Mary who would just be willing to submit to his plan. Father, we love you today. We thank you today. We praise you today. We bless your holy name today, Father. And we just ask that you get glory out of this day and glory out of this time. Bless the moms. Help them to enjoy their day today, Father. But help us to always remember the motherly advice of the Holy Scriptures, like a kind word that tries to steer us in the right direction. Help us never to forsake the law of our mother. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.